Welcome to the Sell or Die podcast. I'm your host, Jeffrey Gittimer. And I'm your host, Jen Gittimer. Well, in this podcast, we're going to help you attract more qualified, unbelievable, ready-to-buy clients. We're going to help you build loyal relationships. And the one thing you're hoping for, close more deals. Let's get into it. It's time to sell or die. Diehards. Besides the Phillies going to the World Series and the Eagles going to the Super Bowl this year, the third thing that I have had on my bucket list is to have Sam Parker come on to the Sell or Die podcast and talk about his beginnings in the sales career and one of the most remarkable elements I have ever heard or heard of when he created this book called 212. What kind of introduction? Yeah, thanks. What's the whole name of it? Is it just 212 or is it? 212, the extra degree. The extra degree. I'm telling you, the thing that got me were two things. How brilliant it was and how it pissed me off that I didn't create it. That's usually my sign for when something's good too. I think if somebody says something like Khalil Gibran, he said, work is love made visible. I love those five consecutive words, man. And it pisses me off. I didn't say it. Exactly. Mine is serendipity is God's way of remaining anonymous. I like that. And But lately I've been using the phrase, stay away from idiots, which is not easy to do. Yeah, that's true. You need to. I, I saw a talk this morning about creativity, and one of the key points on it was making sure that you surround yourself. And I see you do that there with your background. You surround oh, yourself yeah. with inspiring things and people as well. Interesting thing is though, this this talk was at a funeral home. Actually, I thought it was pretty creative, a pretty creative idea. But as I sat there in the in the more toward the back of the room, and I saw all the people in there, and all of us, I only saw the backs of their heads. You know, like a shot in a movie, and everybody had gray hair. And, and I'm thinking, are we all just kind of marching into this funeral? Yeah. This is kind of yeah, weird. Exactly. Have you ever seen the movie Death at a Funeral? What is it? Death at a Funeral. No. It's a Frank Oz movie. It's great. Okay. Yeah. All right. So besides my back end, my front end is even more distracting. Oh, wow. You got some stuff. I, well, I have a Steve Jobs business card. I have a wow. of the Pied Piper of Hamlin. Um, nice. I have a no soliciting sign or no salesman sign that I took <laughs> from an antique store in Portland or just outside of Portland. And I said, like, I'm a salesman. I just spent $200 in this store. Fuck <laughs> this guy. I'm <laughs> taking the sign. That's irony. I like that. Yeah. We used to say, we used to have a sign on our on our office that said soliciting welcomed. Yeah, I had the same. Yeah. Exactly the same. Solicitors welcome. Just tell me you're selling something though. Don't don't BS me and say, look, I'm not selling you something today. Yeah, the moment yeah, yeah. you say that, I'm like, then get out. And the, the other thing about Sam Parker, by the way, you guys, is he created a company called Just Sell. And it was kind of newslettery, kind of product, kind of um, it was on the cutting edge at the moment because it had everything about internet, it had everything about email and he was he was doing it right thank you there's one thing that we should say sam which is it we met uh in dc i want to say yeah georgetown yeah and the cab driver started to speed away with my phone in the car yes and i ran down the street and caught the cab it was amazing and i'm thinking i was thinking about that today as i was thinking about our call and i thought wow that was probably over 20 years ago. Yeah. And I'm thinking, so I'm pegging you at roughly, uh, you know, uh, around my age, a couple of years ago, maybe and I'm thinking you're, this guy's running up the street and I'm thinking, 
no way is he going to get that phone back. Of course, of course. And you and you did, oh, yeah. which was pretty amazing. Thank you, thank you, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. Uh, the fan, by the way, for those of you who are not geographically aware, especially people who live in New York and New Jersey who think everything else is a farm, um, uh, is in Richmond. It is the sort of the cool area of Richmond where the uh, yeah. Bohemians at one time lived, but it's now not anymore. Just, it's yeah. now. Yeah, it's it's quite a bit different, it, but it's a beautiful place to be. It really is. I feel yeah. very lucky to be here. Cool. Uh, the airport's a little tacky, but everything else is fine. Our airport has grown, Mr. Gittimer. It's it's no Charlotte. I get it. We don't have A through E and have E go out to 50, but, we, but it is a little bit more convenient. And I live about from getting into the car to the gate about 16 minutes, maybe yeah, seven. Exactly. I and I I'm 12 minutes from the airport in Charlotte. Nice. I if there's traffic. Nice. But and I don't own the airport, but I control it because <laughs> I know all the skycap guys and they'll get me anything I need. There you go. That's nice. Yeah. Anyway, Charlotte's a good airport. There's a real yeah. world. You're up and down wherever you want to go in the world. You're up and down. Yes. No. I don't get direct flights from here, unfortunately. I had a direct flight in last week. You huh? go to directly to Charlotte. Yeah. You go directly to Atlanta. But if I if I took if I got a ticket to Charlotte, they'd fly me through Philadelphia. It's cheaper. <laughs> they do something that wouldn't get me there fast, that's for sure. That's funny. Yeah. So talk about just sell for a second. How did it start and how did it end? Uh well, let's see. Uh I had a thought, I used to carry a bag in a bunch of different industries before we started Just Sell. And then um, I used to have a regular morning breakfast with uh, who ended up being my co-founder uh, of Just Sell. And I had an idea for a radio station that would be just for salespeople kind of thing, you know, a radio format for salespeople, because I was on the road all the time. And I liked listening to guys who end sure. up like me now. But, right. And, uh, you know, Brian Tracy, Zig Ziglar, all the, those guys. And my business partner said, what if we did it on the internet? And, you know, we went, oh my God. And this was February. We started in February, 1998. I, and, and you know, what's funny. I know your birthday's on 2-11. Well, 2 is, is two twelve. February 12th. Yeah. That's two twelve day. And uh, we've incorporated, which is just by chance on two thirteen, which is really annoying. I really wish it was just that day before it would have been, yeah. been a hell of a serendipitous kind of thing. But so I wrote, the funny thing is, uh, so we decided to do it on the internet and we made a website and, um, back when it was, you know, 70 or a hundred dollars for a domain and the whole thing. And I, we named it just sell. Um, unfortunately I had had some content that I had written when I was selling farm generic pharmaceuticals, a few jobs before that. And I had done a sales newsletter where I had wrote, you know, tips on how to sell more effectively and uh, asking open-ended questions, all the, you know, all the typical types of sales uh, information. And that content became the first content we had on justsell.com. And the funny thing is that I did that at my pharmaceutical company. I don't know why I was just drawn to doing it. And that was back when we had 21 reps nationally and I mailed, I mailed out letters to the other reps. That's how I did the newsletter. Love it. So, yeah. I totally love it. But that's, you know, that's foundational. And right. when foundational things happen, good things happen as a result of it. You build on it to a point where it becomes not just viable, but valuable. Mm -hmm. And uh, you attracted a solid audience. That's the other thing I was pissed off about, that it wasn't mine. Well, so the change, what you had asked how it began and how it ended, what happened was, um, so that was 1998. We did some angel money and raised that. We organized way too um, formally in hindsight. But at that time, you know, you had all the dot coms coming up. So you had to do that because of uh, for investors and stru structure and all that kind of stuff. So jumping ahead to we made it an advertising, we ended up making an ad supported model after trying a number of different things. It, that worked. 
and we grew really nicely up until uh, the recession of two, you know, probably really 2008 is when it really hurt. And fortunately, mm-hmm. I had written uh, 212 on the side back in, and I'm kind of jumping the gun here on, on mentioned 212. Okay. But, uh, tell, tell us what 212 is and then go back to your story. Okay. Uh, 212 is a, it's a concept, it's a message, essentially 25 words at 211 degrees, water's hot. 212, it boils with boiling water comes steam and with steam, you can power a train. One degree makes all the difference. That's the change, right? And uh, that message, the original version of it, I, I, I did this as a kind of a personal project. I had had a breakfast, another breakfast meeting with a friend of mine uh, at the time. And he's, we're ta- exchanging sales stories and how to motivate salespeople and the whole thing. And he shares with me how his boss used the boiling point as a metaphor to inspire people to try just a little harder. And I had this flashback to when I just got, when I was in my first or second sales job out of college, I went to see Brian Tracy talk at the Warner Theater in DC. And he talked about how in horse racing, the difference in speed between the, fin- the, the horse to finish first, the horse to finish second was usually very small, but the earnings was exponentially, were exponentially bigger. So I started looking at stats and running all that kind of, those stats from sports and things. And I put them all together in this really short book. Really, it wasn't a book at the time. It was just a PDF that I sold to people. And I sent them a decal that had the 212 logo on it. And then companies started asking me if they could get like 50 of them. And then I thought, oh, wow, this is interesting. They want to hand it out. So then I did a print run of the book for a couple thousand copies, sold out of those pretty quickly. And then, you know, fast forward, we ended up selling quite a few of those through a number of different iterations of the book. And now it's just a message that I feel lucky to have gotten a steward all this time. And it's still something that sticks for a lot of people. And they tell me, you know, I had a customer last week I was speaking uh, and she said, you know, this is, I learned about this from Johnson & Johnson from years ago and it changed my career. And that's why the person had me in to speak because it's still, it's, it's just one of those things that and it's evolved for me over the time, the, the meaning of it and the depth to it and the richness of it has evolved over time. You know, it started as a message just about kind of grind it out, try hard. That's it. Diehards, my PDF dates back to 2002. <laughs> there you go. And somewhere here, I have the book. I, I searched for it before I talked, but I couldn't find it. You probably have one of the originals. Yeah. Cause I remember oh, I you were nice enough to read it and give me your thoughts on it in the beginning. And I remember that. And I remember us talking uh, when I, uh, and I was sitting in my loft area where I wrote the book. And I remember thinking it was so neat that this guy read it for me and you, and, and you were very complimentary at the time. And I, and I really appreciate that. And, you're, and it's nice that you're, that you're still doing what you're doing for me. So thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah. And I got the phone out of the taxi. Just never- <laughs> And you got, and you did. And I, I probably have told that story a few times and you've probably inspired me in, in a few cases to, you know, keep on cool. pushing. It's very That's much a 212 cool. thing, you know. Yeah, I agree with that. I always liked Brian Tracy for that one thing that he talked about, the difference between the horse that comes in first and the horse that comes in second, mm. the player that makes the all-star team and the player that doesn't make the all-star team. What's what's the difference? But the reality of it was I did a seminar for an insurance company in Trinidad, and I did 750 people every other year won the prize, got to the president's club, and the owner put all these people into into airplanes and flew them someplace and gave them five grand when they got out of the plane. Nice. The following day, I had to talk to the people that didn't win. I know. How was that? Tell me. Uh, Well, I started out by saying, welcome losers. (laughs) (laughs) But I asked the audience, what's the difference? And the difference boiled down to hard work and hustle. 
One and guy said, fish don't just jump in the boat. Right. And it's, but it's consistency too. And it's oh, funny, so. you're, say, you're saying that. It's reminding me of the Seinfeld bit years ago. I love this. He talks about the Olympics and the margins between first and second and the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And he goes on. And at the end of it, I'm trying to think, I don't really don't want to worry. I mean, uh, ruin it for anybody who wants to go look it up. So I'm oh. not going to do that. Uh, <laughs> look but, it up. Look at Michael Phelps's gold medal where he won by one one hundredth of a second. Yeah, it's crazy, right? And, yeah. and Daytona years ago was one one hundredth of a second. I mean, you drop a lug nut during a tire change and you're done. That's very serious stuff. So Die Hard, what this message is all about is work a little harder than you're working right now. You don't have to just harder than you're working right now. Uh, Jeb Blunt says, make the last call. I don't know that I'm fully in agreement with that, but this concept is right. When I go to a networking event, I'm the first one there and I'm the last one to leave. And in the middle, I don't drink and I hardly eat. Right. I'm not after free anything. I'm after a sale. Right. I'm after meeting someone of who can of impact. And right. if I see the guest list, I already know who I'm going to meet because I got I have five targets that I'm going to look for when I get there because they all got a name badge on. Right. So, a networking event is showtime uh, from yeah, beginning totally. to from before it starts to the, to well after it's done. I mean, I always think about that with when I go even when I go to speaking events. You know, I know that I might see somebody, and it's happened to me. I might sit next to a person that's going to be in my audience on the plane. So mm-hmm. I'm very I'm careful oh, yeah. to talk oh, with yeah. people and learn who they are. Yeah. And the same happens when I leave too. So, you know, it, it's, and the same in the airport, you know, you're in the airport, especially you in, in your hometown there with in Charlotte. I mean, I'm sure you see people, you know, all the time. We every see time. each other. Every yeah. time. And even on the plane. Right. And if somebody comes by and says, Hey, I read your book. I give them another one. Yeah. You I carry, carry them with you? I, of course. Of course. But here's the deal. I love when conversations start. 20 years ago, I was at a lunch that you, I was at one of your seminars and I can't wait for that story. Yeah, it's great. I can't wait for that story. And they're all, pardon the expression, happy endings. Well, right. (laughs) You don't know sometimes when something's going to show up. Correct. And you're right. Decades. I had somebody, I once, I think it was Nissan. I think I was speaking to Nissan. And I'm off to the side with the decision maker and we're standing there and I'm about to be introduced to go up. And he says, hey, by the way, you know why you're here? And I said, why? And he said, I've been getting your newsletter for 20 years and I thought it was time to have you come in. And I thought, long long sales cycle, but I'll take it, you know? So I typically fly in the first cabin, typically. Right. And one day I get on, on the plane and sitting next to me is Jim Kelly. The football player. Yeah. And I said, listen, I said, you don't know me, but we both did the Motorola event and you spoke and then I spoke and I'm a big fan. So would you mind if you signed your boarding pass and I'll sign my boarding pass and we can just trade them. So I sign my boarding pass and I give it to him. He signs his boarding pass and he gives me back both of them. (laughs) Sorry, Jeffrey. That's okay. Um, I think he would have done that to anybody, anybody if they, unless they were like a just classic. Just right, classic. That's, that's good. Later, we became friends. Get out. That's fine. Oh, he's been here like three times. Really? We did. Yeah, we did a whole thing together. And he's a great guy. Yeah. Oh, and four in Super Bowls, but great guy. <laughs> yeah, good. He's in the Fran Tarkington Club of almost. <laughs> but the book title, before he got really ill, we were going to write a book called You Don't Have to Win a Super Bowl to Be a Champion. And you, But you didn't. No, we did not. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I have the outline. Mm-hmm. He just sort of fell off the face of the earth. Yeah. When you get ill and it's your life, you just you stop. Yep. What do you think about his life? What do you think about his life, not book? 
Right. Well, I'm not as much of a football fan anymore as I was when I was younger. You know, the, the, you live in Richmond. There's nothing there. Well, I live in Richmond now when my first 35 years were in the D.C. area. Oh, well, same thing. No football team. Uh, we won a few. And I, I used to I would go to, to the mat with you on it back when I was maybe 32. But right now I don't care anymore. <laughs> right. Well, somebody from Dallas came up to me the other day and said, so how many Super Bowls have the Eagles won? And I said, one. <laughs> yeah, you got a hot team right now, that's for sure. Oof. I've yeah, been to that vet, vet stadium one time in my life. My wife and I, when we were dating, won tickets to a game, uh, what's now the Commanders game up at Philly. And, you know, the, we won them in a bar. And so the tickets were cheap, but we made the trip, right? And we were like two or three rows from the falling out of the back top of the stadium. That's how far yeah. up they were. And as you know, the higher you go, the tougher the crowd the more sometimes rabid, Oh, yeah, is. the more rabid the fan, yeah. I was afraid. Years, one to drink, one to spill. <laughs> Maybe one to pour on somebody. I mean, that was some. That was a tough crowd. Yeah, very tough crowd. Uh, they're never going to be the Commanders, by the way. They're the Redskins. The likelihood is they will go back. You think? I saw somebody here in Richmond today, uh, this morning, with a Redskins license plate, and I wondered about that. Like, will it? You know, because they used they train down here. Yeah. Um, up until last year, and now they're not doing it. I don't know where they're training now, but it'll go back. You think? Oh yeah. Yeah. What are you going to call Sonny Jurgensen? A commander? <laughs> no. What are, you, what, are you going to, what are you going to call Sam Huff? A commander? No. That's old school, Jeffrey. That's the. That's it. I'm friends with. Get this. I became friends with Norm Sneed. Oh, cool. Norm, no, Norm Sneed's son is oh. married to my wife's one of my wife's best friends, and so. And he was a football player, but he's a giant. I mean, so my friend yeah. Jeff, he's really dead. and um, but I thought that was funny because Norm Snee was the person that they traded for or Jurgensen back and forth. So we got Sonny. I used to have a button that said, I love Sonny. And then Billy Kilmer came along and it was, I like Billy. It was like I hate him. Couldn't throw yeah. a spiral. Sonny yeah. Jurgensen was one of the best quarterbacks ever, ever, ever. He, he, he was. That was a good time. Later in life, Sam Huff read a couple of my books and called me, and I wouldn't take his call. Because he's a giant. He's oh, he's a giant. Got it. Got it. <laughs> so I finally, I, I took his call after like the third call. And he goes, why don't you take my call? I said, because I'm an eagle. We don't talk to other people. And I said, how's your elbows? He goes, what do you mean? I said, isn't that how you tackled everybody with your fucking elbows? And we ended up becoming amazing friends. Well, aren't you a Jersey guy too? Yeah, but Jersey's right on the other side of Philly. Where they eat their young, right? That's yeah. Your exactly yeah <laughs> i'm only kidding for the for the jersey i love jersey i love jersey so sam huff was an announcer with sonny for the redskins right. when they played the panthers wml when they played the panthers i invited sam and sonny to come over and see my sports collection so sam comes over and sonny couldn't make it and we spent i, I brought two of my son-in-laws over and we just spent hours talking football it was mm -hmm. just electric sam huff is one of the nicest people on the planet and he goes i gotta go back uh what's his name their doofus owner snyder snyder yeah had called us and we got to go back right away so i take him over and there's an suv and sonny's in the back seat i go sonny i just spent four hours with sam fucking huff and i wanted you to be there because i fucking love you and what did sonny say How he was he he was just flattered i said listen there's 25 seconds to go in the game and we're playing the Giants and there's you're on the 20 yard line and you throw a pass to Tommy McDonald who catches it for a touchdown. And it was one of the greatest times ever in Philadelphia sports. And I was sitting right there and it, it just, you know, you, you blow a guy away with stats of what they did. Right, right. Athletes don't get enough praise. 
I don't know. Some of them get enough praise. I well, was watching that Chiefs game the other day uh, with the whole Taylor Swift, the, the whole. Listen, my daughter is a Taylor Swifty. Okay. Okay. She's 14. I get it. I get a text from her two Sundays ago. Dad, I'm watching the Taylor Swift game. <laughs> yeah. Did she, Come on. did she really mean or was she saying a joke? No, no she think... meant it. She, there's no reason for her to watch the Kansas City Chiefs if Taylor Swift is not in the audience. I wonder what the numbers are behind that oh, they're huge. sales lift. You know? They're huge. Right. She's a, she's a country by herself. She's oh, an sorry. economy by herself. I just wonder if they couldn't do more with, I mean, you can see how it's going to, they're going to go, okay, we got Taylor Swift doing dating. So who else can we get pulling here? Nobody that's going to be that popular. Probably not that popular, but they definitely you can pick up some, a few more oh, yeah, pops. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'll tell you though, it's, it's classic. I yeah. was in Philly for my high school reunion. And somebody on their lawn where they put ghosts and shit because it's Halloween. Yeah. A scarecrow with number 87 Kansas City Chief jersey on her. Wow. <laughs> well, they were, they're quite a duo, those two guys. They're like uh, Brady and Gronk, you know, the whole. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're phenomenal. It's good to have a buddy. <laughs> it's good to have two guys who are buddies who are great like that, right? They're phenomenal. Yeah. And um, not to change the subject, but to go to baseball, we have Bryce Harper. You gave us Bryce Harper. You gave us Bryce Harper. Okay. So just to be clear, now I'm in Richmond now, so I didn't give him to you. I don't care. You don't lose your- I have a double A team now. <laughs> you don't lose your the Richmond Robins or something? They're horrible. Uh, now they're the it's, the it's the squirrels. They were the Richmond Braves, and we switched it to flying squirrels. Got it. Okay, cool. Well, and I didn't know all about, you know, there's, I, I'm not a big, I read, I read Moneyball earlier this year, which is- so much better than the movie, even though yeah. I love the movie too. And I don't even really like baseball, but man, that book was fascinating. And the, there's so much 212 stuff in Moneyball, but going back to, um, I didn't know that there were five levels of minor leagues. Like oh. there's five. So people who get on the major league field, those oh, yeah. people are just phenomenal. Yeah. You know? yeah. We have the Charlotte Knights here and it's, it's okay, but you don't care who wins. Right. It's just go, a, it's just an outing. Go to meet people, have a good right. time. Yeah, I have four tickets on the field, literally on the on the first base side, two rows back. Nice. And I just well, I train the team. You know, I train the sales team. Um, oh, really? Neat. But uh, it's for networking. It's right. For who you know? It's for talking to people. It's for and when I take my daughters and their friends, it's for getting a ball. Right. Get a ball in every game, no matter what. Really? Oh yeah. Well, where you are, especially. Well, true, but be careful, you though. practice or you go, hey, they come off the field, they toss the ball into the stands, you're right there. Right. Anyway, um, so much for sports, but I will tell you that athletes make the best salespeople. Why is that? Because they are hungry to win, they are competitive as hell, and they're coachable. Hmm. Most of them. And when, when you have those, those, and they're usually in shape, so they're, you know, they're fit to go into the game, they want to win, they want to, you know, put me in coach, put me in coach, put me in coach. And then they'll go, coach, what did I do there? What could I have done better? Well, if you'd have, you know, gone around and you, and that, that's the whole deal. Salespeople need a, co need a great coach. Well, they all, need, all people need, need that. Well, they don't need a manager. I can tell you that. I tell them sales managers, you want to manage somebody, manage yourself. People want to be led. Right. Well, I think, uh, you know, I always say leading by control is unpleasant and unnecessarily exhausting. Yeah. It's, I mean. Or by threat or by threat. Right. Well, and that's a form of, you know, that's a form of control too, because you're playing off of fears. 
And I, I don't, and I know that some people, I know there's sales managers out there who would go, yeah, well, I'm getting the results on that. But I go, well, could you have gotten, it reminds me of when people, if I ever t am doing something with a leadership group and they'll say, well, you know, and I'm talking about the importance of, you know, modeling the behavior you want to see and connecting with the people that you lead and involving them as much as possible. And then somebody will say, that's all really nice, but Sam, how do you explain Steve Jobs or something? You know, they'll bring up somebody like that, who's known to be uh, you know, uh, not the greatest or not the nicest guy in the world getting re results. And I always go, can you imagine if Steve Jobs was kind and nice? I mean, what could he have drawn out? What could he better? Could he have made that? Although I know I'm, I'm like, you're talking about the best in the, one of the best people or one of the best producers on the planet, yeah. but he could have done something. His biography, the Walter Isaacson biography, yeah. couldn't be any better. Yeah. Not be any better written. Isaacson's, you know, he's amazing. Yeah. All of his stuff. One of I mean, my that favorite. guy's, he's, he's definitely, he's like a Tom Brady of probably of that genre, right? And it doesn't matter if you're alive or dead. If you read his Benjamin Franklin one, it's I've not read that good. one. It's just as good. Yeah. It's like you're there. Right. It's literally like you're there. And I haven't read Elon Musk yet, but I haven't had an overnight plane ride yet. So what I normally do is, and diehard, if you're listening, when I buy a, a new book, I put it on my Kindle. Well, I put it on my iPad because there is no Kindle. Well, there are Kindles, but they're shit. <laughs> so I put on my iPad and I blow the type up twice. So there's less words on the page. I read at least one and a half times faster and I, I retain or comprehend at least twice as much. I'm with you. I, I read on my iPhone because of the column width. It's the same reason I don't, I, I blow it up, but not as big as you're blowing up, but, but the columns on an iPhone are very narrow. So I can, yeah. I have a hard time physically reading a regular book. And also I can carry 35 books with me. I can switch exactly. off. Exactly. I don't understand when people do the old school. I'm telling you, I mean, I can't imagine books, you know, barring cooking books or very special table books or whatever. I can't imagine the printed form of books uh, being around a hundred years for sure. No, but it might be sooner. But there's something to be said for a book that's electric. So here is How to Stop Worrying and Start Living, Dale Carnegie. Carnegie. Yeah. And this one is signed by Dale Carnegie, and it's a first edition. Nice. So when I read this book, it's like fucking electric. Yeah. It's not a book. It's right. like Dale Carnegie held this in his hand and signed it. That's neat. Yeah. Yeah. And some idiot in a used bookstore didn't know what it was. I bought it for $1.99. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice with Dale Carnegie's signature in it. Congrats. I turned down 25,000 from a Dale Carnegie franchisee. Wow. I, know. I don't know. I might. Uh... I know. I don't want to. <laughs> I might have taken that. Yeah. Well, I have a bunch of uh, message to Garcia's. I, mm -hmm. I collected them for a little while. You have the first edition? Yeah, I have the first. Well, I don't, they, I don't know if, so they had the- 1899. Like, yeah, 1899. I have 1899s. I've got the leather bound ones. I've got yeah. the, I've got the ones that went into the train station or not train station, the train, oh, cool. you know, it was at some sort of railroad that these things were on. It's like the magazines that used to be on the airplanes. They used to have them in trains and it was in there. What are you doing with them? I just sit in a box. I, I I give them out every once in a while as gifts, but it's you know it's a hardcore message of working hard. So I'm and just, doing what you're told to do or what you're asked to do right. without asking questions back. Right. And he wrote that in one night. He says Hubbard. Yeah. yeah. But weird that he a died on the Titanic. Piece of literature. A very legendary piece. When I talk about it, I explain the book very simple. McKinley gave Rowan an instruction, deliver this message to Garcia. And he did. And that's the whole book. Right. Garcia didn't say, well, where's he lived? Well, am I being paid for this? Do I have to work overtime? You know, I have a kid in daycare. Um, <laughs> well, I just realized. 
that exists huh? right now. Think of the shit that exists right now that are barriers to doing something. Right. Well, I think we're caught. I think that's just that's just poor training. You know Correct. how things how things evolve. Correct. I like that. I have a client coming in on Monday, leaving on Tuesday. She put me in a nice place. I go, you know, the Weston's like three blocks away. I'll call him. It took me two minutes to get to a person. Yeah. Two minutes. And when I got there, the woman said, well, you have to call central reservations. I said, I don't want to call central reservations. I said, first of all, I live three blocks away. Second of all, I've been in Charlotte for 35 years. Third of all, I'm a platinum for life, which is the <laughs> highest rank you can get in Marriott. Right. Okay. She goes, well, I, I can't help you. I said, well, then just give me the general manager of the hotel. I'm not going to do that. Really? <laughs> yeah. You know what I said? I gave her two words. Wrong cowboy. You, I, I thought I, I would have, what I do in those scenarios is I go, I will say think because I will say something like, again, I only do this if I think I'm really being wronged. If, if there's mm -hmm. something I, I'm not, don't, a, I try don't not to be. Pat it. Come on, just I, say it. I will say, so let's say you tell me, I ask you for a late checkout because I want to change after I speak and I don't want to be on a plane with my shoes, killing my feet. I'll, I'll say the prayer, hey, can you, how late can you get me out of here? I'm speaking here in a, in a little bit. And they'll, they'll say they can't do a late checkout depending on where I am. Yeah. And I'll say, look, you got to decide what the, you want the story to be. It can be a good story or it yeah. can be a bad story. And really what I love about the bad stories is it does give me, and the good stories actually, it's, I love the extremes because I will use that story on a stage and I'll tell it like I have a story that I share with people about a blood donation experience that changed my life because the person was very attentive. And I've been telling that for years and mm -hmm. I've been spreading blood donation, the importance of blood donation, because this person was awake and attentive to me that one day. Mm -hmm. And I just think about the ripples that she, so oh, yeah. she, that was 18 years ago. And she, because of her just paying attention for 18 years, I've been selling blood donation because wow. this person cared about her job. It's so That's easy cool. to, it is cool. You I know? told the girl today, I said, I called for two reasons. I'm looking for friendly and I'm looking for help. <laughs> and I consider you neither. Oh, jeez. Well, do you ever fill, fill, fill out uh, surveys? Well, no, I called my buddy who's the head of a, uh, hospitality chain, they own 250 hotels. The uh -huh. CEO of Weston is going to call this guy and talk to him. <laughs> that sucks for him. Long <laughs> cowboy. Yeah. Well, I don't understand people. Um, there was a, you know, I, I live right down the block from a restaurant, a very small place on the corner here. And it's a sandwich place. My wife and I were coming back from someplace. I said, let's go grab a bite to eat. It was 8.15 at night. That's They have about five or six tables in this place, very small. And there were four tops and two tops. It was 8.15 at night. It's not crowded. There's table wide open. She, the woman wanted to sit, the waitress wanted to sit us at a two top. My wife says to her, and my wife's not a hothead. I'm the hothead. My wife says to her, hey, could we sit here instead? Cause this is not crowded. The waitress takes the two menus, throws them down on the table, turns to her and goes, fine. And my wife goes, we're gone. And so we went around the corner and spent $90 at Joe's Inn. Yeah, it's all it's it, there's definitely attitude, but it boils down to training. Right. I don't want to throw the saleswoman under the bus. I want to fire the salesperson or the sales trainer that trained this woman. Right. Hey, it's okay to hang up on somebody. It always starts from the top. It always starts from I don't understand. That's something I don't. Well, I know what it is. It's just like we have, just like we have engaged, disengaged, and not not in, or, dis, or actively disengaged people in the workforce. We also have the same in leadership. There's Correct. disgruntled and there's disengaged leaders, and disengaged leaders are the reason that you have disengaged employees because they can't because they also have the power to change the team. 
what happens is they become cynical instead of happy. Yes, I agree with you. And but I, I get, but I get it, Jeffrey. I mean, you have a few years on this plane. I was just thinking this earlier today. You know, after the by the time you're five or six years into this thing called life, um, cynicism can start showing oh, its especially if you're from Philly. Right, like, cynicism is like it's part of our core principles. Right, and then you're our age, and it's like crazy. Yeah. Okay. So, but but here's the deal. I want to make sure that the the leader of the company or the leader of that division or the leader of that team is a happy person because. Right. If you have to ask the question, is your boss in a good mood today? You have a problem. Yeah. You have a genuine, definite problem. And, uh, you know, I tell people at the airport all the time, it costs no extra money to be friendly. I, I get it, man. I get it. And they go, I'm friendly. I go, <laughs> I, get, I get it. To, to, I, you know, again, I just think, I just, I've, I don't get as angry as I used to about those kinds of things because it, first of all, it only hurts me because I get yeah. hot. And I, I have this visual, I don't know if you remember the, the gasoline ads when we were, uh, you know, back in the, I think, 80s, maybe, and they would show fuel injectors and how, the, how they spray yeah, the yeah. fuel. I always visualize when I'm getting hot with something like that as my cortisol is just blowing onto my heart, you know, and it's just killing me. So, you know, I try to really work on not getting angry with them. And I just kind of go, oh, I guess you're just in a really bad spot and you have a something really bad. Something bad happened. Yeah. Well, like, how can I help you? Because you couldn't be this mad and be a human being all the time. It's impossible. <laughs> um, it's incredible how few people concentrate on happiness. Well, you know, I always say with awareness come, uh, comes opportunity. And um, I think there's a lack of awareness about a lot of things. People aren't paying attention to certain things because, of, again, it's just, you know, it's kind of a heretical statement given what I do for work. But um, I really believe luck is bigger than I thought. And a year ago, I would never have said, for example, I think work ethic, now bear with me, Jeffrey, just let me get through this paragraph. <laughs> if I think work ethic is luck. I think it can be nurtured, but the seed of, yeah. like, so why are you curious and the other guy isn't, right? Why, how do you, you can't, you can't explain the reason you're curious. Yeah, but that's luck too, right? You were, you didn't go, totally, yeah. I choose yeah, them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> No, they had brains and they gave me brains and then I had to choose how I use them. Right. And you chose right and you had some good surround. I mean, it's it's, it's mind boggling to me about the luck thing and, and frightening too, because uh, and also a little depressing when things aren't going right. Right. Because then I go, oh, well, it's, so things are in your control because you so you may be persistent and persevere. You may go after that phone you leave in the car. And but what made you want to do that? You know, what what was the I, trigger? Huh? Instinct, instinct, yeah, right. that personal values, family values, and instinct. It had nothing to do with salesmanship. It had nothing to do with what I did for a living. Right. It had everything to do with who I am as a person. But I'm saying you, somebody else would have just gone, might have gone, Fuck it's it. gone. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And and uh, you didn't. And I say, you know, that's a product of a lot of different things thrown in there to make that happen, that good thing happen. I think also, Sam, part of it is seeing other cultures and living in other cultures. I spent a lot of my time in Europe. I spent a lot of my time in Paris because it's civilized. Because <laughs> it's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> That's, there's another reason and the yeah. food's good. Well, here's, here's my statement about Paris. There's no such thing as day old bread in Paris. <laughs> right. Everything is fresh. Everything is wonderful. And you can go to Giverny to the home of Claude Monet come back the same day and go to La Rangerie and see his, his life's work 
and you're like you're crying it's so it's so impressive a special it, place yeah it really is so i go there all the time i have a really good friend who's a magician i have a lot of friends in paris but my my best friend there is a magician guy he's the magician for all of the of the uh luxury brands mm -hmm. so he, louis vuitton's doing a thing he performs for the audience okay he's amazing well Every other night, we'll go to a section of Paris where he takes me so I can learn about the city. He lives in uh, Arrondissement 2, and he took, he said, you have to see this. There's a new hamburger chain. It's called Manger Cassez-Vous, which means eat and get the fuck out. Cassez-Vous? Yeah. That and doesn't really mean that, Jeffrey. It doesn't? No, no, I'm saying, I'm saying, it does. It does. Yeah, it does. I know Manger, and I know Vous is you, yeah. so, but- Cassez-Vous. Okay, so, but the hamburger menu is in English and French, and their biggest seller is a hamburger called the Bad Motherfucker. And so you hear all these people going, Bad Motherfucker, Bad Motherfucker. <laughs> That's fun. Oh, it's hysterical. Yeah. And the place is packed. I'm going to have to go there next time I'm in there. I'll send you my list. Yes. I missed that play. Wait, wait, wait. I went there in uh, 2019. Haven't, haven't, uh, oh, it's, I've not been anywhere it's since. Good. It's just as good. Yeah. He says on a plane, well, you come to Richmond. Come to Charlotte and fly to Paris. Out of D. We'll probably go from Richmond to Philly, which might out have of been D5 or D6 out of Charlotte. That's where that Paris plane goes. Every time I'm in Charlotte, I swear, I look up at that board and I look for both two things. I look for Paris and Madrid. I do not know why I look for those two flights every time just to feel it. Yeah. Yeah. I'd rather go to Paris, but I've been to Madrid. Um, funny, someone just went to Madrid and I said, go to Toledo and see the El Grecos in the church. Toledo is something special too. Yeah, that's yeah. a unique place. Anyway, um, so we're traveled yeah. and we're salespeople and our goal is to inspire the diehard who's here listening to us, pontificate just a little bit more about 212 and then we'll end it. Pontificate about it. Well, I'll just say that 212, uh, as I said earlier, it is something that became richer and deeper as I got another two decades of life experience. And in fact, I'm evaluating certain things about it now, but really, you know, on the surface, what I love about or I've been or feel lucky about is that it is it is a message that in, it, it invites people to get excited about trying just a little bit harder and paying attention to the details that might have a big impact on results. And it does, in fact, happen like that in certain cases. But the deeper message is really that being 212, to be 212, is to uh, understand that there are 211 degrees that come before it. And you need to be giving, it's really a message of consistency, right? In the end, on the surface, when somebody sees it, they go, oh my gosh, they hear it the first time, yeah. they go, oh my gosh. That yeah. it's, oh, it's just that simple. And, and it's, again, sometimes it is, but many times it's not just that simple. It's simple things done consistently for, and it may be a long time, longer than you want, right? But just, and why would you want it ever? I mean, after you wake up, I get it when you're a kid and you're trying to figure out how to skate by, cut corners and all that stuff. But after a certain age, you're supposed to go, you know what? I'm in this for the long haul. There's got to be some depth here. My my dog knows when my heart rate gets going, he, I got the motivational <laughs> speaker. He attacks me like this. He's very concerned. That's okay. That's totally okay. Anyway, um, that's so that's the message is, you know, what's nice is it sticks for people and it's it's sustaining. And even for me, I mean, I've been around it. You'd think I'd be bored of it. Um, and sometimes it is because it surrounds me so much. People send me pictures of the number 212 in all different kinds of ways. Oh, yeah. And that's fun. They show me their tattoos. They send me pictures of their tattoos. It's also They're, the New York City area code. Very cool city. The best city yeah. <laughs> next to Mary exactly. Paris. <laughs> okay, but 
there's something that's omitted that I learned on accident about 212. You're not going to do the sea level thing, are you? No. When okay. water boils, yeah. you have to pay attention to it because if you let it boil without attention, the water will evaporate and the pan will burn. Hmm. And I've had it happen. Yeah. Like I'm boiling water for corn and I leave because it's not boiling yet, but I forget and I come back in 20 minutes. And it's like steam coming out of the freaking oven and all kinds of crap. Yeah. So there's a, you have to, you can't just let it boil. You have to let it boil and pay attention to it mm -hmm. and not focus on it. Concentrate. Big difference. Right. Napoleon Hill's big on the word concentration. And so I, I look at it from the perspective of, okay, I got it boiling. I can't walk away because right. if I walk away, I'm going to I lose my whole, you mm. know, wh why did I boil it in the first place? Why did it get there? And how do I keep it rolling? Right. And how do I, you know, make food out of it that tastes great? Yeah. Whole deal. And al dente. It has to be, if you're going to put that spaghetti in boiling water, it better be perfect. Better and if be you're going to go, you get me started talking about pasta. You know what's funny? My whole life up until about 10, 10 years ago, I thought you always had to have a colander to use with your pasta. Now I never use a colander. It's Ooh. I get the pasta water and I get in a pan. I do the puttanesca. I do the aglio e olio. I do all the stuff in a pan. So I got them both side by side, that al dente thing. And then you finish off, you finish it off in the pan. With, oh my God. Hmm. You know, I use a colander because it was my mom's. Okay, man. You're going to heartstring me there. Sorry. Yeah. I have the colander on the top of my refrigerator. She sits there every day. She probably get, also gave you some nice tongs. So just you take it out with the tongs and you put it in. It could be just as nostalgic. Yeah, thank you. Um, that's funny. So if you're a person of the world, which we both are, I don't want to brag about it, but we are, um, you have experiences that you can't wait to share with somebody else because they change your life. Yeah. They make you a better person. And you go, listen, if you do this, you're going to be a better person. It's plain and simple. You're going to be a better person done, done. Whether you're going to be a better dad or a better salesperson or a better leader or a better husband, whatever you're going to be better of, that's what you got to do. And you have to learn from others because you're not going to get it out of a book all the time. One of the things that I share uh, in keynotes is the importance of making that extra contact every single day. I don't say make one more. I don't say make one contact every day. I say make one extra contact. So what? And that's easy for the sales world. You know, hopefully you're already making the extra sales calls. So if you're already doing that, you make the you make another one. That's what two twelve is about. But I do this bit when I share the importance. I say talk to people on planes. Oh you know, yeah, absolutely talk to people. I will sit. And on short flights only, I will sit, I will choose the middle seat if there's three to a row, because I got two shots. The guy over here starts, to, is yeah. a dud, I turn to this person, right? And the things you learn, the friendships I've made, and yes, I've made mistakes on starting conversations, but man, people not talking on planes, they're missing out. They really are. I sit next to somebody and I put the little red book of selling or the little gold book of yes attitude on the bar in between us. And I'll sit down and I'll go- Where I sit, there's no bar. It's yeah, a little, it's a little hard thing. Back yeah. in coach. <laughs> yeah. So I say, have you read this? And they go, no. I said, take a look. Pretty cool. Yeah. And half the time they'll say, oh, you wrote this. I yeah. And you can get an autographed copy today for 20 bucks cash. <laughs> so my goal is to sell a book to the guy next to me for 20 bucks yeah. cash yeah. and then do my business. That's my fun plane ride. And sometimes I'll, it's a deeper talk. Sometimes it ends up being a customer, but it right. always ends up being 20 bucks. And sometimes you hear stories like I had a guy who it was a terrible story, but and his kid went off the rails, uh, heroin in prison yeah. and a terrible story. Um, anyway, it had me calling my kids when I got home saying, I need you to be careful about the crowds you're with, you know, giving warnings <laughs> exactly. based exactly. on that conversation. So 
I totally concur. You know, I've been a dad for a long, long time and granddad for a long, long time. I've given them thousands of pieces of advice. I only hope they take hundreds of them. <laughs> yeah. You know, you don't, the older you get as a kid, the smarter your parents become like magically. I think, didn't Twain say that? Wasn't yeah. Twain said that? Yeah. Yeah, so I know. I, that's a, that's, I imagine it was tough being your kid and my kid. It's tough being my kid growing up with somebody who talks like this, like we do all the time, I'm sure. Oh, yeah was a lot. <laughs> well, we're flying, to, we're going on the airplane. I'm with my daughter who's, who was five, six, seven, eight, nine. We went all the time and we're getting to board the plane. She goes, are we first class? <laughs> you said yes. So, listen, we were in Charlotte flying to the beach because all my <clears throat> other kids were driving to the beach. We're going to get there first. It's only a half an hour flight. They got a four hour drive. Boom. The plane is four hours late. <laughs> Everyone's already at the beach. <laughs> and the pilot comes on and says, thank you for flying American Eagle. And Gabrielle screams at the top of her lungs, you mean American Vulture? <laughs> Cute. And the whole plane rocked. <laughs> How old was she when she said that? Seven. Seven. Jeez. Smart kid. Fun kid. Oh, yeah. Takes no shit from anybody. And she's anybody. 14 now, huh? Yeah. So that's tough years. That's tough. In high school. Well, no, yeah. you know, she's a Swifty. She's fine. <laughs> right. She's fine. She reads a book a week. Wow. She is she belongs to the young, you know, the Christian clubs at the school. I'm I'm totally fine with her. She's I'm so proud of her. I can't stand it. That's good. Yeah. In the meantime, we need to do this again and have a sort of come to Jesus meeting with some salespeople who can use help. That'd be fun. Yeah, totally fun. And um, I'll get to Richmond. Um, I can't tell you when, but just nostalgically, I got to go there. Well, we could have a good time. Yeah, we could fight over the check and you could win. <laughs> Happy to do it, Jeffrey. Happy to I do it. Fan. Yeah. Um, so uh, if somebody wants to find you to hire you for their thing, how, how are they going to do that? Uh, if they can remember, they go to the website, justsparker.com, just and then S Parker, or just Google Sam and the number 212 and you'll find my site. Oh, Sam 212. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, funny because uh, before I started Just Sell, the company I was with, they gave me the email and this is 1998, 1997. And they give me the email Sparker at whatever company it was. And so then the people would call me Sparky and I couldn't stand it. Now I, you know, I spark. I, I, I love oh, yeah. Spark. You, you have to be able to write that person who gave you that moniker and thank them. Yeah, I would, except she was not, not pleasant. <laughs> so anyway. I got you. In the meantime, yeah. take yourself in Richmond. Thank you for being here today. Die hard. Thank you. Get a hold of Sam. Get 212. Just freaking get it. It will inspire you to be a better person, not just a better salesperson, just by Thank one degree. Thank you, Jeffrey. Pleasure, Sam. Thanks for listening to the show. Don't forget to like, share. Yeah, share with both your friends. And subscribe to the podcast. And remember, we have a free 22-day sales challenge. Just go to Gutimer.com slash sales challenge to start you on your way.